going to invite Maha to come up and Alevtina as well. Uh, one of the things I'm really keen to do in the church is um, actually not for our services to just be spoken English, but to have other languages represented and uh, shared too. So the reading this morning is going to be in three parts, and uh, we're going to have it read in Ukrainian. Yep, perfect. <laughs> and in uh, Canada, but that's not Canada with a C, as if it's English, but Canada with a K, which, um, I don't know, how many languages do you know? One? Right, I'm just going to move this out of the way. You can have centre stage. Uh, hang on, let's just, just, just go back a bit, because I've forgotten already. My brain is like a fish. Um, so Ukrainian, Russian, English, English a, bit Polish, a bit Polish, and a bit German. And a bit German. Wow. Okay, Maha, how many languages do you know? Canada. Canada. Hindi. Hindi. Telugu. Telugu. English and a bit of Tamil. Wow, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm a bit, it's like I know Albanian and English, and that's it. <laughs> but I failed French at GCSE. I also failed RE. You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> but that's true. There's another story there, another story. RE is religious uh, education, and I failed it. Um, so, uh, I'm in awe of the um, incredible breadth of knowledge, intelligence, and the ability to connect with lots of different cultures through the languages that you both know. And uh, I kind of want you to stand a little bit forward, if that's all right, because um, it's just such a blessing to the church. And this, this is community right here. And I long to hear other languages as well. So please come and say to me what you'd like to share in the church. And maybe, even maybe, we might move to services that are bilingual. <laughs> that would be incredible. Anyway, that's another thought. So you're going to go first. So we're going to hear... Yeah, use a mic. would be great. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so this will be Ukrainian yeah. first, and then Russian, then Polish, and then... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay, yeah, go for okay. it, yeah. Улюблені, любим один одного, бо від Бога любов. І кожен, хто любить, родився від Бога, та віддає її Бога. Хто не любить, той Бога не пізнав, бо Бог є любов. Любов Божа до нас з'явилась тим, що Бог сина свого однонародженого послав у світ, щоб ми через нього жили. Не в тому любов, що ми полюбили Бога, а що він полюбив нас і послав свого сина в благанням за наші гріхи. Не в тому любов, улюблені мої, коли Бог полюбив нас, отак то повинні любити і ми один одного. Бога не бачив ніхто ніколи. Коли один одного любимо, то Бог в нас пробує, а любов Його в нас удосконалюється. Що ми пробуваємо в ньому, 
а Він у нас. Пізнаємо це тим, що Він дав нам від Духа Свого. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That was the verse for the year, I think, last year. And then verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. ಇಂದಿನ ವಾಕ್ಯ ಒಂದನೇ ಯೋಹಾನನು ನಾಲ್ಕನೇ ಅಧ್ಯಾಯ ಏಳರಿಂದ ಹದಿಮೂರು ಪ್ರಿಯರೇ ನಾವು ಒಬ್ಬರನ್ನೊಬ್ಬರು ಪ್ರೀತಿಸೋಣ ಯಾಕೆಂದರೆ ಪ್ರೀತಿಯು ದೇವರಿಂದಾಗಿದೆ ಪ್ರೀತಿ ಮಾಡುವ ಪ್ರತಿಯೊಬ್ಬನು ದೇವರಿಂದ ಹುಟ್ಟಿದವನು ದೇವರನ್ನು ಬಲ್ಲವನೂ ಆಗಿದ್ದಾನೆ ಪ್ರೀತಿ ಇಲ್ಲದವನು ದೇವರನ್ನು ಬಲ್ಲವನಲ್ಲ ಯಾಕೆಂದರೆ ದೇವರು ಪ್ರೀತಿಯಾಗಿದ್ದಾನೆ ನಾವು ಆತನ ಮೂಲಕ ಜೀವಿಸುವುದಕ್ಕಾಗಿ ದೇವರು ತನ್ನ ಒಬ್ಬನೇ ಮಗನನ್ನು ಲೋಕಕ್ಕೆ ಕಳುಹಿಸಿಕೊಟ್ಟದರಲ್ಲಿಯೇ ದೇವರ ಪ್ರೀತಿಯು ನಮ್ಮ ಕಡೆಗೆ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷವಾಗಿದೆ ನಾವು ದೇವರನ್ನು ಪ್ರೀತಿಸಿದರಲ್ಲಿ ಅಲ್ಲ ಆತನು ನಮ್ಮನ್ನು ಪ್ರೀತಿಸಿ ನಮ್ಮ ಪಾಪಗಳಿಗೆ ಪ್ರಾಯಶ್ಚಿತ್ತವಾಗಿ ತನ್ನ ಮಗನನ್ನು ಕಳುಹಿಸಿ ಕೊಟ್ಟದರಲ್ಲಿಯೇ ಆತನ ಪ್ರೀತಿಯು ಇರುತ್ತದೆ ಪ್ರಿಯರೇ ದೇವರು ನಮ್ಮನ್ನು ಹೀಗೆ ಪ್ರೀತಿಸಿದ ಮೇಲೆ ನಾವು ಸಹ ಒಬ್ಬರನ್ನೊಬ್ಬರು ಪ್ರೀತಿಸುವ ಹಂಗಿನಲ್ಲಿದ್ದೇವೆ ದೇವರನ್ನು ಯಾರು ಎಂದೂ ನೋಡಿಲ್ಲ ನಾವು ಒಬ್ಬರನ್ನೊಬ್ಬರು ಪ್ರೀತಿಸಿದರೆ ದೇವರು ನಮ್ಮಲ್ಲಿ ನೆಲೆಗೊಂಡಿದ್ದಾನೆ ಮತ್ತು ಆತನ ಪ್ರೀತಿಯು ನಮ್ಮಲ್ಲಿ ಸಿದ್ಧಿಗೆ ಬರುತ್ತದೆ ಆತನು ನಮಗೆ ತನ್ನ ಆತ್ಮದಲ್ಲಿ ಪಾಲನ್ನು ಅನುಗ್ರಹಿಸಿದಿಂದಲೇ ನಾವು ಆತನಲ್ಲಿ ನೆಲೆಗೊಂಡಿದ್ದೇವೆಂತಲೂ ಆತನು ನಮ್ಮಲ್ಲಿ ನೆಲೆಗೊಂಡಿದ್ದಾನಂತಲೂ ತಿಳಿದುಕೊಳ್ಳುತ್ತೇವೆ Evan, if you can go on to the first slide, that'd be great. Thank you. Anyone know what that says? Oh, Alvatina, yeah. What does that say? Wow. Great. Thank you. If I can go on to the next slide, I don't know whether this is working very well, unfortunately. So if we can go on to the next slide, thank you. Oh, it might be working now. Maybe. So, um, 
as I expressed a little bit last week, we have uh, in the autumn gone through a series of talks about together in worship. And over the next few weeks, and we began last week about together in community and thinking what it means to be God's people together. And uh, there is a, a list of uh, themes with the name, with the first word sharing. Uh, throughout the next few weeks, sharing in God is the theme of today's talk. Sharing in God, sharing in the community of God. That was the verse that I spoke on last week, which is the verse of the year. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, together in community. And some of you took away the green piece of paper at the doors either end of the church or saw the email that came out from the office or seen on WhatsApp uh, some notes that accompany the sermon each Sunday. And some of you reflected on that verse of the year. How do we spur one another on? What does it mean to live in love and exercise good deeds? Well, the answer to that, which you may or may have not discussed, is rooted in our sharing life in God. Now, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Anyone have toast? Put your hands up if you had toast. A few of you, did you have cereal? A few of you, did anyone have a massive fry-up? Oh, look at the health that just <laughs> goes through SBC. Well, I have a favourite cereal, and it's called Crave. Anyone have Crave? Spelt with a K. Uh, K-R-A-V-E. I particularly like the hazelnut chocolate in Crave. But what it does is that when you go down a supermarket, I talked about Aldi last week, we'll move on from that. But when you go down the supermarket and you see your cereals, you think, oh my goodness, there's so much choice. I always go for Crave hazelnut. Crave is a brilliant marketing name for a cereal. You walk past it and then you take a second look. Crave, I want to crave it. Maybe you don't, maybe it's just me being sad. But that's what I go for, crave. We crave community. All of us crave and thirst and long for community, for belonging, for some sense of connection. All of us do. Whether we are extroverts or introverts or anything in between, we crave belonging. We crave community. Anyone had a Christmas present that you took back, like a, a jumper or a jacket or a piece of clothing that you kind of had to take back because you didn't quite like? Well, am I the only person that likes Crave and am I the only person that takes stuff back? <laughs> oh, I've got one at the back, wonderful. Oh, two, thank you. There's three of us. Christmas was such a disappointment. No, it wasn't. It was great. It's all about Jesus, not about presents. But I... Um, I took, last night, I, yesterday we had a leader's day, and then I had to rush into Birmingham to take this article of clothing back, and you have that sort of, I have that sweaty palm moment, will they be okay behind the counter? Will I have to justify why I want to take it back? It doesn't quite fit, my belly's got a bit larger from Christmas, you know, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, I took it back, and 
Fine. Got it. The deed was done. I replaced it. Wonderful. But I was in New Street Station, and as I was getting the train back to Bourneville, I saw this. In the middle of New Street Station is a sign where people can put up notes, written notes, about why there is hope in the world. Oh, I didn't just catch my train. I mean, it was delayed, so I had a bit of time. But I looked and I read the notes from people around. And it just struck me that this wasn't about hope, actually. This was about people craving belonging, connection, community. Identifying with others who need hope. We crave community. People look for community in all sorts of ways. Um, sports clubs or, or maybe Tuesday clubs here or uh, different clubs and associations and connections where we desire community. And the question that I have is this. What makes a Christian community or the church different? A lot of my friends, when I was a bit younger, they had their children in sports clubs on a Sunday. And, and they said to me, you know what? What we love is not just seeing our, our little lad play football, but the community that we have. We know each other's birthdays. We celebrate joys and celebration in a team. And we also have disappointments and low moments. But we're together as team. And it dawned on me, and I had to do a lot of thinking Oh my goodness, so many of my friends find community out there, in the community. What message of hope or distinction do I have about the church when I bang on about community? What makes it different from the sports team or a club? That's the alarm going off for me to stop. (laughs) Or someone to get up. You need to wake up now. I think the distinction, and it's not rocket science, the distinction is sharing life with God. And when I thought about that a little bit deeper, because that's an easy answer, sharing in the life of God for many of us begins in baptism. A friend of mine, the head of the Baptist Union of Bangladesh, he keeps sending me messages on Facebook Messenger, and I love it. Um, in a previous job, I hosted him for six months, and he couldn't speak any English, and I went out to Dhaka in Bangladesh, and I couldn't speak any Bangladeshi, and uh, yet we became friends. <laughs> and he sent me this picture this week, of a baptism in Bangladesh, the most populated Muslim country in the world. And he gave me permission to show this. Very dirty water. You know, we would love to see baptisms in there with nice, clear water. But being baptised in a pond. I love that. My last Sunday in my previous church baptised a lady whose 
leg was amputated a few weeks before. And so the baptism was done in a different way. But what we do with baptism is that we say these words, I now baptise you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And if you've been baptised in this church or another location, you will remember when the person said, I baptise you now in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, and you went under the water and you came out as a new creation. The distinction is that you begin to live a life in God. At the church weekend, I talked about the number three. And I got really excited about the number three and talked about Pythagoras, who I can't stand because I'm not very good at mathematics and I'm obviously not very good at languages. I'm totally bad at RE. So basically, I was really bad at secondary school. Three. Well, Pythagoras saw it as a a number of harmony and of wholeness and of mathematical perfection. (laughs) I like to think of Toblerone. And you'll know this from the church weekend, I actually threw a bit of Toblerone out. And uh, the three angles, ah, the joy of Toblerone, better than craved. Our brains are wired in three ways, or our bodies, sorry, are wired in three ways. We think sometimes from the head, or we have that sort of gut reaction, or the heart. The way in which we look at the world is often sometimes in three different ways. Or gold, frankincense, and myrrh. (laughs) Or from Ecclesiastes 4.12, one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. You know, this threesome aspect of Scripture or in society with chocolate like Toblerone, there is something significant about three in terms of harmony and wholeness. And then we look at the, the life of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father, and yet they are all God. And if you were at the church weekend, you would have known I tried to articulate this through Spider-Man. Toby Maguire or Andrew Garfield or Tom Holland. I mean, it's a little bit twee. You understand where I'm going. There is no way to really articulate the Trinity. Well, it is mysterious. And as Baptists, sometimes we find mystery a little bit difficult. But we can't grasp God sometimes. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And yet, when we're baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it marks us out with the seal of the Holy Spirit to follow the life of Jesus to the glory of the Father. We are invited not only to belong together in community, but to belong to the very relationship of the one who is perfect in three. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. What's great about 1 John is that John wrote this 10 years before he wrote the gospel. Oh, I thought the gospel came first, then the letters. No, he wrote the letter to the churches 
that were broken in community to say, come back to your first love. Enter into the life of God again. So many have been baptized and yet have been drifting this way or that. Today is a reminder to come back into the life of God again. Read 1 John, and if you don't, then maybe in 10 years' time you might read the Gospel of John. Both, both with the theme of love running throughout. You and I are called into community, a distinct Christian community, because of being in God. Christ, the hope of glory, lives in you, and Christ leads you into the heart of the triune God of grace. And when I have the picture of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's the picture of being co-eternal, co-equal, perfect in love and as Christians we enter into that love to radiate that love in the world I can't get my head around it but the church is alive in community when it relates to the God of community our inspiration our pattern Our life must be marked by who God is, not who your minister or close friend is. This takes us on a different journey, a deeper journey altogether. Someone said to me this week that so many of us are discipled into surface spirituality. We no longer go any deeper. What I'm trying to do is to say there is the depth of God's love which is to be explored deeper still. And when you experience and, be, and you're touched by the love of God, the natural response is to love others. In California, around San Francisco, are trees known as redwood trees. don't know whether you know much about redwood trees but they grow up to about 200 feet, mostly. Some grow up to 400 feet. The amazing thing about redwood trees is obviously they're quite close together, but they are very thin. Well, I mean, they're quite wide still, but if you were a tree hugger, you probably couldn't get round them. But they go really high, and they're quite thin. The amazing thing about redwood trees is that their roots, their roots don't go very far. I often think, well, Matt's talking about being you know, baptised in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is perfect in love, and we need to be perfect in love, and we find that hard, and what we need is deep roots. Actually, the redwood tree doesn't have deep roots. What happens to the redwood tree roots is that they go down about four or five feet, but they spread out to the other roots and they get entangled, entwined with the other roots for support so that they can stand tall. (laughs) It's a brilliant image of what goes beneath the surface. It might be shallow, it might be deep, but actually what we're called to is to connect our roots 
with one another, that we may stand tall and be alive. And that is an image. When we connect in love, we're also soaring high in praise to God. The redwood tree is an image of what it means to intertwine and connect one to another. Not just to be nice, Christians, but to inspire and spur one another on. As a wonderful writer, Stanley Halvas, says, the church is known by the character of the people who constitute it. How would you describe your character? How would others describe your character? It's quite a hard question to ask. We're all broken. We're all vulnerable. None of us are perfect. But we, when we enter into the life of God, we begin to shine a little bit brighter. Our character is formed and changed as we interconnect with one another in Christ. The church is the human outworking of the person of Jesus. So not, let's not go to church, but let's be the church together. So I want to leave you with these three questions. What does it mean to live knowing that God is love? To love is to have another to love. That's why God is more than one. God is love. What does it mean to know that? What does it mean to live in God in your life this week? And what does it mean to live in community with one another? Let us together know Christ is in this place. On Monday through to Wednesday this week, Claire, Amanda and I attended a Baptist conference called Fresh Dreams. And the president of the Baptist Union of Great Britain said these words. The churches up and down our land need to build bigger tables. What a phrase. What she meant by that is that our doors need to be flung wide open. Community is not a closed thing. It's not cosy. It's sometimes not nice. It is about creating a bigger table of welcome, of hospitality, of worship, of wonder, of intrigue to know others and how they radiate the character of God in their lives for each person is made in God's image. So let SBC continue to build a bigger table because community, being in Christ, following his life in the power of the Spirit leads us never to stay the same. Next week, the Festival of Talents. If you don't want to see, if you don't want to participate, come and grab a coffee and get to know someone 
else. That's community. That's belonging. Christ is here. He is to be worshipped and followed. Amen.